This episode of Angular Air is sponsored by Auth0, authentication made simple for developers. Modern authentication and identity can be hard, but Auth0 makes it easy. With Auth0, you can enable login with any social provider, have multi-factor authentication, single sign-on, and passwordless login all at the flip of a switch. Find out how to add authentication to your Angular 1 or 2 app in under 10 minutes at auth0.com forward slash Angular. Hello and welcome to Angular Air. We're on today with analyst Ari User. <laughs> uh, hey guys. And the doctor is in the house, Dr. Gleb. Hello guys. And our special guest today is Minko Ginchev. Hey guys. Now Minko, you've been on a couple times, uh, but why don't you give us kind of a update of what you've been doing recently. Okay. Well, um, currently I'm in my work time. I'm working on a big Angular application, Angular 2 application, based on the Angular C that uh, I'm working on in my spare time, and also doing static code analysis for Angular 2 projects. That's awesome. And today we're here to talk about something that I know you've spent a lot of time working on, and also Gleb and Ari have looked into as well, which is Service Worker. So let's start off the show. If you can give us, Minko, just kind of a general definition of what is Service Worker. Okay, well, I'm thinking of Service Worker as a proxy which is running into the context of your browser. So basically the Service Worker intercepts all the requests that go from your browser to the network. And not only the requests that you make explicitly by invoking, uh, by making an XML HTTP request or using the fetch API, this high level abstraction, but uh, also requests like fetching an image from the network or just uh, a random resource. So basically, from your web app, instead of going directly to your backend, you're going through this uh, middle piece that you can do different things with. Is that sort of a... Yep, and uh, this this mediator, it can decide what, how to process your request, whether to return something which is already stored somewhere, for instance, into the cache, or to go to the network, or to make combination of both, or whatever. You can decide how to process the request. And now, uh, just I know some of our audience has heard of different types of worker, service worker, web worker. Is there any relation to these types of things, or are they like totally different? Well, they're running in background. Uh, all of them are running in background. The purpose is kind of different, and so the way you instantiate them is kind of different. So basically, the most common thing between both of these concepts is that they're running in background. Now. I have heard in the past, I, I never used it, but there were similar types of technologies uh, to Service Worker to basically help you mediate some of your resources, like how your app pulls down resources and other things. Um, can you kind of go over, like, what was there in the past, and then why didn't that work? Like, why basically um, is Service Worker being accepted, whereas these other things sort of never got used. Yeah, there is an API called AppCache, 
which, uh, well, there is a great talk by Jake Archibald who talked that the application is a dirt bag and uh, it's kind of true. It provides you a high-level declarative. Well, it sounds awesome at first because it provides you a high-level, very declarative way of how you can um, make your applications run offline without having network access and cache your resources and so on. But in the end, it gets kind of tricky because you have a huge specification with a lot of corner cases and having this, this um, high-level abstraction over all these complex features which are going, which, and over all these uh, complex use cases, it can, it can get, you can basically shoot yourself into the foot. Uh, especially if you want to, the most common and worst case is if you put your app cache, manifest file inside of your app cache, and this way, if you cache your app cache file, basically, well, you can hold that your users are going to buy new computers in order to, f to see the new, newer version of your website. And service uh, workers? I did yeah. that once. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and service workers, they provide kind of a lower level API, but it, it gives you much more flexibility and um, you have much richer features there. So yeah, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying at like a high level, but actually, uh, Gleb, you know, I just point you into the conversation because again, I know that you've been doing a lot of work on this as well. Like, I just hear a lot of people just talking about how awesome service worker is, like why do you think that it's awesome? Like, why is there this kind of buzz going around with um, some members of the community in using Service Worker? Well, uh, you know, there's buzz going about different things all the time, right? Um, I think the Service Workers are especially popular right now because if you want to do something cool with your website, the first thing you do is add a proxy so you can make requests to any other website. Right, it's kind of the first thing you do, and all of a sudden you got this proxy running inside your browser, not on your server. That's what Service Worker is. It's a proxy, uh, just like Minko said, and so that it it can make different requests, right, to other websites, other servers. It can, for example, intercept uh, an image request and say, "Well, I already have it in a cache, and I have." full control over how I do caching and do I return the cached resource and then make a background version if it's available or you know I check if I'm offline and just return the cached version. Um, this low level API that you can completely control and program from JavaScript is completely new. App cache was just declarative text file. Um, Service Worker allows you to do anything. At, at the point where people say, well, you expose way too much, it's way too low level of API, why don't you just give us app cache features in JavaScript? But of course, you know, if you, if you do app cache features only, it will be not enough. So Service Worker seems overwhelming, but only because it can do, it can do anything you really want, right? As both as a uh, resource controller and as a proxy running right in your browser. Good enough? No, that's good. That's good. So <clears throat> how, how have you guys started to use? I, I want to get some like solid examples. You mentioned a couple things, Gleb, for you know, images and some resources that you know instead of going to the back end that you already have those cached and you are controlling those with your service worker logic. But um, Minka, let's go back to you. Like, how, 
what are some examples of things that you've done so far with Service Worker? Yeah, so mo uh, mostly I'm trying to speed up mo my websites on mobile devices. This by providing the resources directly from the from the cache instead of going to the ne to the network. But I've heard about a few other even more more interesting uh, use cases of Service Workers. And uh, for instance, I was on a conference this weekend, and uh, a guy from Ukraine, he, he told me that they're using service workers for mocking their backend for end-to-end -end tests, which uh, was pretty cool, because they are speeding up their end-to-end -end tests significantly. And this way, they only need to return some predefined uh, responses from the service worker to the front-end, and eventually add some basic business logic. Yeah, that's pretty awesome uh, for end-to-end -end tests, definitely. Um... Vlad, what about you? What have you been using Service Worker for? Uh, actually, funny enough that end-to-end uh, -end testing was exactly why I started using Service Workers. Uh, so about a year ago, I wrote a project for end-to-end -end testing of Angular apps called Service uh, Turtle Service or Service Turtle, and it, it was just like uh, ng mock backend, except uh, you run it against you know production websites. And you could tell from command line to uh, the service worker, hey, like slow down this particular request, you know, by let's say two seconds. And this way, in production, you could figure out, you know, issues that were timing related. For example, what happens if this API call takes 10 seconds, or times out, or returns 500? How does your app actually uh, react to that? And uh, it was comp did not require any changes to my application code. That's the beautiful part, I think, is that my app was running against what it considers normal internet. Like, if you load Service Worker to the rest of the app, nothing changed. It just makes requests just like it used to. Uh, but the Service Worker can, you know, apply logic to your requests. Um, so first use case was that particular testing uh, utility. And then I kind of started exp experimenting, right? Um, and I think the best way for you to find out how to use Service Worker is to open your Chrome browser right now and go to chrome colon slash slash service workers dash internals. A lot of major websites like Gmail, um, Pinterest, uh, javascriptair.com already started using service workers for caching and enable, you know, drop connectivity. And you can just look at this list of sites, and then you can look at the source code for each service worker that those websites loaded. And, and the beauty right now for discovering this and just looking for yourself is that because the service worker is limited, right? It, it runs in the background, as Minko said. It doesn't have access to the DOM. It only has really caches API and fetch API, not to be fair. The code is really simple, right? There's no frameworks, there's no jQuery, you know, there's no a boilerplate code to deal with ES3 or 5 or polyfilling. It literally is just controlling the cache and intercepting and proxying requests. So open Chrome service internals, look how Gmail, you know, what do they do? Uh, maybe look at other websites. Most of them do the same thing. For example, open cache, uh, intercept requests, decide what to do, if they have it in a cache or not, and maybe fetch it and put it back in a cache and return the result. So uh, you can discover what people do. And then um, I've done a couple other interesting experiments uh, with service workers. Um, one was trying to make 
an application load instantly, right? And I wrote something called battle service. So pretty much every time you run a web app, and it doesn't matter uh, how it's coded, what library, you have some HTML at the end. And if you reload the page, you get blank screen, and then the web app starts, and when it has to render, that pretty much the same HTML again, because the data probably has not changed. So uh, the battle service was saving the previous HTML page, and then when you request you know, the page again, you get that static HTML right away. Like, there is no document right. No, you return the full index HTML, and then the web app can continue and kind of hydrate that. And so application uh, uh, appears instantly, and then it kind of becomes live. But in the first, like, half a second, you don't really care, right? You cannot interact with a web application. But what you don't see is this big blank page. And so I've done uh, a couple other things, like you know, running Express Worker or transpiling JavaScript on the fly, all done in the service worker, so that uh, the app, you know, web, web app, did not even see this functionality. Um, so anything that you can do in JavaScript without direct access to the DOM, or can be done on the proxy side, on the on the server side, could probably be done in uh, a service worker. We're going to break for a moment for a message from Angular Class. This episode of Angular Air is sponsored by Angular Class. If you're looking to learn the latest and greatest in modern web development techniques, or you need Angular 2 training, then sign up today at angularclass.com. Welcome back. Let's pick it up where we left off. Actually, you brought up two things that I was going to talk about later, but I'll bring up now. One being the whole instant loading thing. And actually, this is a question that I've gotten like a number of times because like I'm, I'm working with Patrick on the server rendering library, and the whole purpose of the server rendering library is like instant loading that it appears. And it seems like there's this overlap. But you know, one thing that uh, to clarify there is that the thing that you're talking about is for subsequent reloads, like the very first initial time yes. that somebody goes to an app, there still is that delay for downloading some JavaScript, and that's where server rendering is still useful. But again, yeah, after that point, then definitely service worker, you know, caching some stuff and then using using that for subsequent loads, like you described, Gleb, is, right. is great to use. And can I just add, quickly add, once service worker loads, right, and is registered, it's actually very hard to get rid of it. <laughs> it kind of keeps running in the background. And what happens then is that you can disable JavaScript on your page and reload the page, and the service worker still runs. The, you know, the page's JavaScript is disabled, so that means no client-side code. But that proxy is still running. So it kind of leads to a cool thing where you once you load a web app, you can have some logic, some proxying, offline capability, and then JavaScript can be completely disabled, yet that logic is still there and it's still working perfectly. So I'm not sure if it's oversight, but that's what, how it works right now. Um, I think that um, service workers can work in the background even if you close the web page, right? Uh, so there is background push, you know, ability to deliver, for example, messages to a service worker even if a uh, tab is closed. Um, but I think only Chrome uh, supports it, and so it still is a work in progress. So I would not say, oh, just like any app can be, you know, enabled to run with 
tab closed, but I think that's what they want. They want this native application experience where you can deliver messages even if app, you know app is closed, native app is closed. So the same thing with um, browser window closed, uh, no, yeah, website window closed, yet being able to receive data. Yeah, that's really nice. So this means uh, push messages and yep. upgrading your website code in the background so that when users come back, uh, they already have the images and new articles and everything. Yep. Uh, it's really, really awesome. It's, it's a great feature. And then actually, so the second thing I was going to bring up what you were saying, Gleb, is, you know, as far as the app shell goes, like um, you mentioned that, <clears throat> which is like the term that, uh, I forgot who coined it, but uh, they used for that initial view as your client-side JavaScript is loading with uh, something loaded from service worker. One thing is that <clears throat> it doesn't have to be non-responsive. Uh, we are working with Jeff Cross on the core team who is trying to create this like all-encompassing app that uses Angular 2 and like all the different new technologies, including service worker, web worker, server rendering, et cetera. And one of the things that we noticed um, as, as a benefit of combining these different technologies is that, you know, in addition to like the service rendering, like on the first view type of thing, even taking a piece of what we've been working on for preboot. So if you take preboot and you put it just just that alone, not even the rest of Angular Universal with Service Worker, what you can get is a web page that loads that you can interact with, and preboot can you know, record the events and play it back to your client-side app, just like with server rendering, but you can team that up, preboot with service worker as well. Um, so I, I actually have a pending blog post on that. So sometime I'll, I'll get out probably after ng-conf, um, but it is kind of a cool combination. And hopefully hopefully uh, Jeff Cross will talk about during ng-conf. That would be awesome, right? Some kind of initial functionality, very lightweight, yet then the application becomes the full one and the full application starts running from that state. It would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, Arian, Olivia, I forgot to check with you guys. Have you guys used Service Worker at all yet? I've used AppCache in the past to, uh, for web apps of um, journal uh, websites. Um, so, I was uh, synchro, uh, syncing the, um, the articles in the background so that it could run offline. And we, we were syncing the main uh, top 10 articles, something like that, so that people can, even if they are in the subway or something like that, they can read the article. Uh, but we were using AppCache and local storage. And it would have been so much simpler with service workers. Yeah, that's basically we've done the same thing. Uh, mostly doing offline support, and also uh, trying to save uh, battery over the network for a resource-intensive or resource-intensive app. Gotcha, Ari. I know you you have to uh, head out soon. Did you have any questions you wanted to bring up for us to talk about? Yeah, was, so I think we're all sitting here imagining the awesome possibilities that that service workers. Um, uh, provide 
and we've also kind of mentioned like the tough part about using service workers. What what would be? Um, I've never heard kind of the opposite, which is well, when when does a service worker not make any sense? Like, Miko, maybe that's you. Oh, okay. So when does service worker doesn't make any sense? Yeah, when is it like overkill to use? Because I just want to use it for everything. Yeah, actually, I'm. So, I will definitely use it for catching some static assets, but if your content is very dynamic, I guess, uh, and there is nothing to cache, uh, if you're, I guess in this case, service workers will not help you much. But if you have something that you might want to cache, or you ha if, you have, if you want to receive push notifications from somewhere, you should definitely bet on service workers for providing this incremental enhancement of your user experience, the experience, user experience of your users. And uh, Jeff, you brought the topic that Angular, the Angular team, they're working on a progressive, uh, something like a, a project which provides progressive uh, web apps in your browser w without much, without uh, much um, work uh, by, the de by developers. And um, I, I am uh, quite familiar with this project. I actually went through the specification and read the source code and exchanged some messages with Alex and Jeff. Uh, they're working, they're doing some awesome things there. So Angular 2, it is uh, supported, it supports not only um, newer browsers which already have support for uh, service workers, but also some legacy browsers which are still on app cache. And uh, what Jeff and Alex do there is that they, t they take these two APIs together. They bet on um, more declarative approach by using a manifest file. And using this manifest file, they configure their service workers in order to provide caching, which works on both uh, service worker-enabled browsers and uh, legacy browsers, which have uh, app cache supports. And on top of that, the Angular team is providing a, a high-level API and um, taking care of the way you generate your app cache manifest file. So it is hard to shoot yourself into the foot by pushing the app cache file inside of your cache this way. That's interesting. We're going to take a quick break to hear about ThoughtRam. ThoughtRam. Extend your memory. Want to get up and running with the Angular framework, but don't have the time to read through all the documentation and tutorials on the internet? ThoughtRam's Angular Masterclass may be perfect for you. Check it out today at thoughtram.io forward slash training. Welcome back. Let's pick it up where we left off. Even though right now it's like an experiment, um, do you think that just like last week we were talking uh, about web workers, and we talked about how the Angular team is definitely moving towards and already has some of the pieces in place where it just works by default. Like when you're using uh, Angular 2, I mean, there's like a configuration thing, but it's very minimal that it will just use, uh, put everything in a web worker, everything it can. Do you think that basically we'll get to that point as well where, I, I mean, obviously there has to be a little bit more work for service worker, but I, I'm just saying as, as far as making the API and, and the interface to that so super simple and, and that being one of the huge benefits of using Angular 2, do you think that that's sort of the direction they're going towards? Yeah, I was working on integration of Angular 2 seed with uh, Angular Progressive, that's how the project is called, and basically I have only 
a single Gulp task which goes through all the files inside of uh, my project and generates uh, the manifest file based on, based on them. And it takes, it calculates the hash sum, so if any of the files is changed, you have different manifest file and respectively it is not going to, your uh, newer, the newer, newest versions of your file, files are going to be fetched from the network. So I think that they're going there and uh, it works pretty well and for the users, well, all we need to do is just to enable the, the service workers just to create it, instantiate it right now, which is uh, just to uncomment like 10 lines of code or something. That's pretty rad. That's really... I, I think it's uh, interesting anyway, that you... Oh, go ahead. I got, I, got a, I got a pop off and a bad appointment. Um, so uh, it was good. Uh, half hour was great. Enjoy the rest of the show. All right. So... <clears throat> I do think it's interesting that they are using app cache as like a fallback because obviously, um, actually, what is it, what is for service worker? I forget what what's the current support level. Is it just the latest Chrome? Uh, no, the Chrome has been there for a while, uh, same as uh, Opera, and um, this, uh, Firefox is behind two flags. So in reality, it's like fifty percent of browsers supported and 50 do not completely, right? So there is completely no support in IE or Safari. It's under consideration in both. And I think when those browsers actually will catch up soon just because they see the cool things that you can do. Literally the experience of instantaneous offline supporting browser compared to the one that doesn't have it is like night and day. Um, when I use, for example, Gmail, and I use it on both Safari and uh, Chrome, the Chrome is just, like, I, I never notice when I have no internet or something doesn't just work. It, it just is phenomenal. Yeah, so let's talk about offline. Um, because, you know, I, I think beside, at a high level, obviously, you have a proxy in place, and that's being used to facilitate making sure that you can still function, even though the connection isn't there, it doesn't just throw a bunch of errors. But... I guess what are the patterns like? What what it, if I want to create an offline app? Like, I think it's more than just saying use service worker, right? Like, there's got to be some uh, best practices and patterns that you have to kind of follow. So, Minko, do, is there is there anywhere um, that has like that that we can like point to? Can you give us some tips as to what we can do if we want to have an offline app? Yeah, uh, Jake Archibald again. Uh, he posted a very uh, great article, actually maybe one or two years ago, which is called The Service Worker's Cookbook. And here, there he describes in an amazing way using SVG uh, animations how you can approach by implementing your service workers. There are different strategies like uh, going to the network and uh, caching your files and after that providing them through the cache or... Uh, concurrently accessing your cache and going to the network or whatever, just uh, any strategy that you might come up with in mind. So this is a great start, I guess. Maybe not start, but the next step after you get familiar with the basic idea of service workers and the app cache and um, the API. Um, uh, Jeff, I can add to that another excellent resource. Uh, it's called Service Workers, it's URL. It's just the service workers, RS, is the domain name. Uh, so it's serviceworker.rs. 
And this is Mozilla, um, you know, Firefox people. They put recipes for pretty much everything that you might want to do with service workers, you know, offline, uh, caching, uh, background sync, uh, transpiling, you know, all sorts of interesting things. And uh, they categorize it as beginners, intermediate, advanced, so you can kind of pick, you know, beginners at first. And everything is very nicely explained. Uh, the source is very clear. Uh, you literally, literally can copy-paste code and have, for example, just offline or offline with multiple versions of resources, right, saying uh, this is one version of my data, this is the second, and so on. Uh, so I'll start working, uh, looking at service workers, um, our website, great resource. That's actually awesome. Um, actually, one thing with, that you mentioned I wasn't aware of, transpiling, how does that work? Like, what, what, what's going on there to, that service worker is doing with transpiling? Oh, uh, so uh, service worker intercepts any HTTP request. So, for example, if you request, uh, I don't know, bundle.js, the service worker can get, um, you know, ES6 bundle or TypeScript bundle, whatever you want, really, CoffeeScript bundle. And if service worker code includes the transpiler itself, for example, I included the full Babel transpiler in my um, uh, Babel service project, then it can transpile on the fly with the bundle to ES5, for example. Or what I've done was uh, inside the service worker, you have the same JavaScript engine, right? You don't have access to the DOM, but you have you know, the same engine that runs in every tab. So you can actually test your environment and figure out, oh, my browser supports you know, destructuring, but doesn't support, uh, let's say, error functions or vice versa. So you can actually transpile very, you know, in a very targeted way. So you can transpile to only the missing features, for example. That's interesting. So I guess the idea there is that you would your your client-side package would be the same for everyone, and it would be in ES6 or yes. you type two maybe I don't know. Or, or ES7 or yeah, ES whatever, right? And then just on the browser itself, it would handle the transpiling. That, that's actually pretty awesome. I, I didn't think about that before. Very cool. Uh, not only that, you can cache the result, right? <laughs> and what's it? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Because service workers are really good at caching. Well, so is there any limit to like what you can run in a service worker? Because if you could run Babel, like I saw here actually, I don't know whether you made this note, but you could run actual Express within a, within a service worker as well, the Express yeah. server framework. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, what, what limits are there? Uh, can I answer, you know, in a stupid way first? Sure. The, the limit is your imagination, Jeff. <laughs> uh, you're such a smart Alec. I, no, I, know, uh, I know there's a reason why I, I banned you from the show. <laughs> uh, no, uh, there is actually a limitation, and that kind of goes towards what you should not do in your service worker. And that's the difference between web workers and uh, service workers. So. A single page, a single tab in your browser can create multiple web workers, right? And this will create multiple threads so that you can process intensive tasks in parallel. But for a, sing a single website, multiple tabs will share the same service worker. It's like a singleton proxy, okay? So if you have an intensive task like transpiling, it's pretty intensive, and you open a bunch of tabs and you reload, all of a sudden all of them will hit one single thread which will stay locked for a while, 
and will slow down. Like if you open multiple tabs and you do something like that, you actually see the slowdown in response. So don't try to use service worker just like you would use web workers to, off, to do something computationally intensive. Instead, grab the result and you know, spawn web workers. I think you can even spawn web workers from a service worker directly. And, and then just offload the tasks there. It should be a lightweight proxy. You said it's a singleton, but is it a singleton per domain? I think it's per domain. What but about, I might be mistaken. What about subdomains? Excellent question. <laughs> I don't know. Minko, do you know about that? Uh, no, I'm not sure yet. I'm following the specification. I saw that they're trying to resolve some race conditions, which might happen when two service workers are accessing the same cache at the same time. So I guess you can have some cases when you are running a few caches, a few service workers from same domain or something like that. But right, I'm okay. not sure. Yeah, I mean, I so I haven't looked into this at all. But um, what I was thinking about is that with local cache, at least, that, that was always an annoyance to me that you can't share local cache among subdomains. That uh, something that we wanted to store for when people traverse to our different sites. But uh, at least I, I haven't been able to find a way to make that possible. Hopefully, uh, I, I think it would be useful with service worker if you could, but we'll see. We'll, we'll look that up and maybe add that to show notes after we have iframes. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. Iframes are the, um, that Olivier posted. It's, it answered everything, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we have the, this ability to do offline, smart cache, all sorts of craziness, but transpiling with service worker. It seems like it's just like this magical technology. And it, it, in particular, I know that a lot of people are excited for mobile because mobile in particular is where the web has traditionally kind of fallen to native. Like there's this whole web mobile debate. We've had a number of shows the past like month on all these mobile native technologies like native script and React Native versus something more like Ionic or or just, just the web itself. So I'm curious, Minko, what you think how the impact of service worker to mobile, the mobile web in particular, uh, over the course of the next couple of years, do you do you think that this will make mobile web you know more viable so that you know you basically maybe you don't need native apps. What do, you, what do you think? Well, we are going to handle them, basically the latency this way, uh, but there is still some kind of limitation because everything is running within the context of your browser and there is this uh, in, in the direction between your hardware, so basically you're going through your browser in order to reach this, the hardware. For instance, it, this doesn't solve uh, computational problems for uh, complex web geographic but there are different APIs which might help, like SIM, like single instruction multiple data APIs that they're going to be introduced in JavaScript. But definitely service workers are going to help us build this, these progressive web applications where the user gets progressive experience depending on the feature set that his browser supports, for instance, and depending on the network connectivity. 
but for sure uh, we'll have some more instant uh, network experience. That's what I think that service workers will mostly help us with. Well, sure, I, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I, I, th I think that there's other stuff going on that also is contributing, I guess. You know, they, they, there is improvements to performance uh, on the mo you know, mobile browsers. There's other, they're exposing more APIs to you know, mobile web um, interfaces. So I guess uh, let's get a quick poll of, of the three people here uh, remaining, like up or down. You know, in, let's say in, in three years, do you think that more people are going to be able to like just go web and not even go native at all other than maybe maybe just to get like an icon on, on the screen that's about it like uh, what do you think Gleb? do you think that's gonna happen or is it just like that's oh. a pipe dream that pe we keep on chasing but uh, native will always be more important no uh, absolutely I think in three years people will use websites a lot more than native uh, apps and more than that the, the websites will actually do more and better than native apps just because you use the same technologies across you know your website your mobile apps and the technologies improve as opposed to you know programming a separate native app all right so that's a thumbs up Minka what about you yes I, I agree so um, web apps are going to get more advanced and more feature rich and more useful with Constantly, so I agree that they're going to be much more popular compared to native apps. Right, good. Uh, another thumbs up, and Olivia, are you going to be the contrarian? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I guess three years is a long time in JavaScript. Uh, it's hard to guess, but uh, I'm seeing a lot of uh, compiling JS to native these days with uh, native script, React Native, and stuff like that. So. I don't know if it will really be better to the point that you don't need native. Um, but I guess you will have, that for sure, you will have better websites than you have today in mobile, and probably you will have more traffic in mobile than on desktop in three years. So people will start to focus on it uh, when they develop websites. Also, the technology moves faster because of the obsolescence of uh, devices. So it helps uh, that the browsers will be will be better than they are today. And we won't have the, the case of uh, IA8 uh, that we had on desktop. That's true. That's true. I, uh, so, I, I mean, it, for me, the key thing is not just well, we all everything we've been talking about that it makes web worker or service workers enable, but also the fact that there's such strong support from within Google, from within sort of the people that are working on uh, service workers. I mean, just with the community that all of us are in right now, with Angular community, right? Like we just talked about that they're building a lot of that functionality to integrate well with Angular two. And you can only imagine once um, that picks up steam. I, I, I do think that uh, you know, it, it takes people some time to kind of get into new technologies. So within three years, I think it'll be pretty mainstream and 
Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for times like that. So it, it'll be uh, good to start working, looking into it now. And, and definitely, if people can watch the ngconf live stream, if you aren't going to be there, uh, there's, I'm sure there's going to be a lot to mention of you know, service workers in different ways, both in Jeff Cross's talk and probably it'll slip. It's going to be in my talk a little bit and uh, probably other ones as well. Cool. All right. Uh, so last, let's let's do the last uh, wrap up here. Minko, what have we missed? We talked about a lot of things today. What can you think about for service workers that you think people should know that we, we didn't get a chance to talk about yet? Well, we didn't discuss... Um for instance, shared memory between browser and service, and between um, the main UI threat and service workers, workers, for instance, because we know that there is a work in progress on a specification that allows uh, shared memory, uh, the shared array buffer, which allows shared memory between web workers and uh, the main UI threat. Actually, looking at the spec, I'm not sure whether this is going to be supported with service workers or not. Also, we didn't discuss um, that uh, what happens when service workers and tap cache are enabled. Are when, for instance, in the in the case of uh, Angular Progressive, when you are having um, app cache manifest file and you have both service workers and tap cache enabled on your browsers. In this case, uh, well, app cache will not run at all. And I guess that's mostly everything I, I can come up with. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about that to have both enabled. That uh, it's good that they. I guess that it's it's designed that way that service worker will just trump app cache. Yeah. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Cool. Uh, Gleb, is there anything you can think of that we missed? Uh, just two quick things. Uh, if you're trying to load service worker, you have to be on secure uh, domain, that means HTTPS, right? because they can intercept any re requests that's very powerful, but also insecure. So locally, you can develop on localhost fine, but if you're deploying it somewhere, you better have HTTPS. And second, it's actually pure joy to program in service worker, because in, inside service workers, unlike web workers, they removed all the absolute APIs, like you know XML, HTTP request is gone. You can only use fetch API. Uh, local storage is gone. You can only use uh, asynchronous promise returning caches API. So it's actually pretty nice, you know, from development wise. You don't have all this, you know, backporting and supporting multiple things and synchronous calls. It's all uh, promise returning APIs. Yeah, it's awesome. Koi, and uh, is there any repos that you guys have that uh, I, I, we mentioned a couple of things that we'll include in our show notes? Anything that we haven't mentioned yet for code that you you have out there that people should check out? Uh, we can share the links to my projects that use service workers. Uh, um, you know, the ones that do transpiling, proxying with uh, delays, or you know, even Express uh, running Express in a service worker. We will definitely share the links to those. Okay, cool. We haven't talked about uh, limitation in size. Um, so I was reading um, an MDN. Apparently, each browser has a hard limit of the amount of cache. Um, uh, they can delay your your cache without telling you basically if they need space. So don't count on it. 
Um, I, I, but I think you're allowed to use IndexedDB from inside the service worker, so that uh, increases your limit in, in what you can store. Um, I'm sure like five megabytes is not going to be enough and people will quickly exceed that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. It's never enough. No. Okay, cool. Let's get to the picks. Um, Olivier, why don't you start off? Um, so my first pick is uh, Mixit Conference. Um, I'm talking uh, Thursday, this Thursday, about Angular 2. Um, it's in French, but uh, maybe there will, there will be a video for uh, me to share uh, later. And we just received uh, the planning for ng-conf, and I can tell you that it's super packed with uh, awesomeness. Uh, it's like, uh, uh, I don't know if I will be able to to sleep uh, during the night because <laughs> I will have so many things to, to write about. Um, yeah, I, I guess it will be a hard week for us, uh, especially it's a fair day for me. But we'll talk about this uh, next Tuesday. So stay tuned. Yeah, speaking of that, so as Olivier is mentioning, next Tuesday we are going to have the NGConf committee, uh, Joe Eames and Aaron Frost. Hopefully we'll get Dave to get us on as well to talk about NGConf, give us a prep for it. But I agree with Olivier. It is going to be awesome. Uh, we're, Patrick and I are just fine-tuning our talk. We, we've been watching helping some of the other speakers prepare their talks. Like, there's just going to be so much good stuff. So definitely, e even if you are coming to the conference, you should be planning on watching the live stream. It's going to be great. And for sure, tune in next week, you know, for when we, we're doing the prep show and, and we're going to talk about all sorts of stuff. Uh, Gleb, you want to give us your picks? Absolutely. So uh, I'll have two shameless plugs this week. Uh, one will be a video from a New York web performance meetup that happened a couple of weeks ago. And at that meetup, first part was Nolan Lawson, a guy who has done amazing work with web workers and achieving 60 frames per second. So he talked about service, uh, web workers at the, at the first part, and then I you know, showed my work with uh, service workers. So in one hour, you get both you know, workers um, you know, showing the best highlights. So that's the video. And second, um, I'm trying to do a short course on service workers fundamentals for Egghead.io. And um, I've been very busy, but it probably will happen in May. And I'm looking forward for, to that. So stay tuned for that. That's awesome. Also, you forgot to mention that you are speaking, Gleb is speaking at CycleJS this week. <laughs> As a cyclist? Well, uh, as a cyclist, yes. Yeah, it's um, it's on some sort of bike, I guess. Uh, it's in Copenhagen, which is a bike bicycle capital, so I'll have to ride bike. Cool. Um, for me, I just have kind of one, I don't have any links, just one kind of tip for something that I noticed this week that kind of uh, I've been looking at live so we, we've been we're, we're constantly working on making sure that our website works well with search engines that 
it's not doing anything weird that Googlebot you know disagrees with. And one thing I, I just noticed this past week that was adversely affecting us that definitely you should check out if uh, you do have a publicly facing website is that it seems like as of last month from what we could tell, uh, Googlebot has been starting to take more seriously if your client side rendered HTML is drastically different than your server side rendered HTML. It's always been one of these things that has, um, they've, they've kind of talked about to make sure you don't do too much, uh, too much of a difference between the two. But it seems like they, they are you know, more aggressively knocking people down when that does occur. And, and, or if you have resources that are being blocked that the Googlebot can't actually access. So normally you wouldn't have, like, let's say your API, you would, wouldn't allow a Google robot to hit your API, but you sort of need to because otherwise it can't render your client-side HTML, and thus it doesn't know if you're trying to do something shady that you shouldn't be. Um, so I thought that was interesting. So you know, once we removed that, that kind of cleared up a whole bunch of issues. Um, so just a tip, I guess, for people who do have are managing publicly facing uh, websites. All right, and Minko, what are your picks and or tips? Uh, yeah, so first of all, Angular Progressive, what I already mentioned, the project which uh, unions both have cache for older browsers and service workers for newer browsers. This is going to. This is very interesting, and it also has design docs which explain the basic idea and uh, the implementation details. Also, NGRX. This is a uh, lovely uh, flux-based implementation on top of Angular and RxJS, which uh, I'm using right now, and I really enjoy enjoy working with it. And uh, the book that I finished a couple of weeks ago, Switching to Angular 2, where Mishko was my technical reviewer. Uh, I guess and this is something, uh, a good start for starting learning Angular 2. And these are all my picks. Wait, wait, so the last one, Miko, that's a book that you were writing, did you say, or a book that you read? Um, a, book, a book that uh, I already uh, read. Basically, it is uh, a book that I wrote, uh, sorry. And what's the name of it? Switching to, switching to Angular 2. Ah, okay. Very cool, man. Yeah, right, I haven't seen that yet. I'll definitely check that out. Right. All right. Cool. All right. Thanks, everyone. Tune in next week for our NGComp preview. And if you have any um, questions that we didn't cover today, definitely tweet Angular Air, tweet Minko, tweet Lab. If you just have any random comments about the weather or whatever, tweet Olivier. And uh, that's it. See you later, guys. Bye.